Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Actually, why don't you start us off this time? (laughs) (laughs) How do we even start? It's like, hey, everybody, it's Mike's Gaming Podcast. (laughs) The name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's two mics. What is there to know? (laughs) Uh, It's hello, everybody, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. Oh, that's right. I'm rec- I'm definitely putting that in the beginning of the episode. This is I'm like that star on the set that's so drunk when he shows up and he, he doesn't know his lines or anything. <laughs> just, I'm the Tracy Morgan of this production. You're just in your dressing room, like, <laughs> right, right. call me when it's important. <laughs> well, I had someone ask me, they're like, well, why do you always start? Why is it like you always Because <laughs> you know shot? how to operate well, everything. Apparently, you know apparently when to that's why. You know how to mix the balance. I'm the one with the, the tools, yeah. yeah. I'm just the guy holding his cider. I'm also the one who knows the name of the podcast. <laughs> I'm the one who got us the very cool uh, Cortana intro. There you go. All right. So, yeah, yeah. you win. I'm sorry. So, I, I take back every bad thing I've ever said about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't care what anyone else says. You're all right. <laughs> all right. So, episode 10. Episode 10. Because yes. it comes after episode 9, and that seemed logical. Um, yeah. I'm so, going to call this episode X. Ooh, that's too edgy. Really? Is it? Well, know. maybe maybe for you. You're the edgy <laughs> one, right? That's too edgy for me. I don't think I can handle that. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, last episode we had ended with saying like, oh, hey, we have all these topics we're just going to momentarily bring up and then not talk about. <laughs> so let's do that in the next episode. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So um, thinking back, uh, we came up with, with the networking stuff and, and sort of uh, player character involvement. Um, and I can't remember if there was anything else we said we'd cover. So we're going to start with those two and if anything else snaps in the Those mind. are the only two that I remember that we wanted to cover or were really interesting in the last conversation that we said, oh, we're going to have to save that for next time. So I remember we talked about matchmaking a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really remember what else. So we'll just go with that yeah. for sure. What do you want to start with? Um, <clears throat> let's start with the character one. Mm. Since be- I think that was actually on your agenda for last week. And that, we was, that was the um, last time. So to kind of even fill you in, because mm-hmm. I had put that on the agenda, but I didn't really explain it, is I was curious and I was thinking about this, um, about how we develop, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, not necessarily relationships. That sounds creepy. How we develop uh, fondness mm-hmm. uh, for different characters in games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how as a designer can we architect these emotions Right. Uh, go. How can we plan for this as opposed to just, oh, hey, that was what a great coincidence. And what I was mostly interested in as I was thinking about this is I don't really know people all that well. Like I can generally look at a person and be like, this is what you want. And I can like figure out how to use that maybe to my advantage or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you, more managerial, often able to diffuse situations <laughs> where I just prefer to escalate. Like you probably understand people a little bit better. And so I was curious what your opinions are on how would you approach getting players to uh, become emotionally invested in characters and, and you know, what kind of investment would that take on your part to make something like that happen? Yeah, you know, I tried to think about this topic and, and because I wanted to sound intelligent when I spoke <laughs> about it. The truth is, is my, my background in level design or in environment design um, meant that I would take advantage of the fact that I was attached to a very talented team of storytellers and character designers who 
would conceive of these things and create fully fleshed out living, breathing characters that you would, of course, that's the way the character ought to be. And of course, that's an amazing twist for how the character should behave uh, throughout the course of the story and grow and change. Those were just things that were given to me. And I said, okay, now I'll give you the most exciting uh, arrangement, a space for that character to explore or whatever. So I never, on a professional level, ever had to think about Sure, but you certainly are much more involved in human... Right. Well, as a person... um, uh, You're the mango tree right, guy. So. Right, right. So I'll approach this from a different perspective. We touched okay. a little bit on um, how to increase or our opinions on diversity in games. We said that's kind mm-hmm. of a hot topic and we're not really competent, nor do we really want to invite the ire of the internet. Uh, you know, by I'm happy to invite the ire of the <laughs> okay. internet. But besides that. But um, it reminds me of the one and only GDC that I can remember. <laughs> Because you were drunk and all the rest of it, right? It was so (laughs) long ago, but I remember this presentation. It was actually not even a presentation. It was in this small room uh, at GDC. But – and this is well before uh, anything – this is – we're talking about like the year 2000. Like this is how long ago this was. The year 2000. Yeah. The future. The future. The future. (laughs) I just joined Microsoft and went down to GDC and um, it was in San Jose back Mm -hmm. then. In this hotel room – it was a panel, and I believe it was they were it was given by all women researchers talking about gender differences in games, mm-hmm. and uh, their research was on like, well, how why why is there this thing called games for girls? Because mm-hmm. uh, there were a few startups around that time that were trying to make you know Barbie games and things sure. like that, um, because there was a perception that girls did not like video games, even though back in the 70s, they were marketed as a family event. Mm-hmm, right. You'd go to a, a restaurant and the whole family would, you know, or like a Chuck E. Cheese's or whatever. It was like the old classic board game advertisement where the dad and the son would play the board game while the daughter was in the kitchen with mom watching the dishes. <laughs> yeah, right? Like that. And they were like, it's a family game. Yeah. But in the picture, it's yeah. just like, oh, I see how Well, yeah, but if you is. look at the old arcade or even Atari mm-hmm. um Advertising was like grandma, sure. grandpa with the kids on the couch, and there was no gender. But then it, mm-hmm. by the year 2000, it was like clearly video games, my hands are doing air quotes right now, uh, belonged to boys. And mm-hmm. why was this? And why did we have to create specifically designed or marketed to girls' games? Um, and some points came out of that uh, conversation that was really interesting to me uh, that I think we have yet to actually address as a, a medium. Uh, one was... If you presented an image of a locked door to a a young boy audience or a male mm-hmm. audience and asked them to, uh, you know, invite them to ask questions about the door, they would sure. ask like, well, um, what do I have in my – like they know they're talking about – in a video game type context, mm-hmm. how would you relate to this door? They're like – um, what's in my inventory that can unlock that door? Do I have a key? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have a key. What is in my in my inventory that I can use to break that door? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Now you go to the girl audience and they would ask, Where does the door go? Yeah. What's behind the door mm-hmm. and why is the door locked? Okay. Likewise, when you show them my characters, what can this character give me? Mm-hmm. Um, or this is the boy, uh, audience again, like, um, or, uh, is this an enemy? The girl audience would ask, in what ways can I talk to this character? Mm-hmm. And what is the state of being of this character, more or less? Like, sure. how is this character doing? I want to find out how I can understand its personality. And 
what we know is that games back then and maybe even now don't answer those girl questions or what you know they were calling mm-hmm. back then girl questions the very well yeah. like uh yeah well we we keep the doors opaque and locked because we're, we, there's no data loaded behind there's the nothing, door yet there's nothing there yeah. the unlocking animations are the time the buffer we use to load the next segment mm-hmm. and the good news is boys don't even ask that question they just want to unlock right. the door you're already asking questions that we as you know we computer engineers you don't have a really great way of giving you that forecasting that information to you you can't see what's behind the door before it's loaded um uh, i can't really create a living breathing person for you to talk to and get to know and care about it's just a dumb npc that's going to give you a quest and so are you suggesting that and, and not to put words in your mouth yeah, but i'm yeah, asking yeah. are you suggesting that in your opinion or, or based on what you've seen that that in fact, male gamers are more apt to develop bonds to characters than female gamers because they they are not satisfied on an appropriate level where guys don't care so much. Or? Well, what I'm I th- I think maybe that's part of it is like when we are talking about attachment, we really have to be specific. Like, what are the things? Let's identify well, the I'll, things that we like. Do you like characters that do really cool things for you in game, or do you like characters that have really interesting backstories? So allow me to, to mm-hmm. kind of preface with what kicks this off. Okay. Kick this whole uh, interest of or bringing this up, in my opinion. Um, so, so I pay attention a lot to the little subtle cues in games. We were just talking mm-hmm. about how I started talking about networking and now you started noticing. <laughs> right. So that's like every time I'm playing a game, all I'm doing is just taking mental notes of this is the developer trying to do this and this mm-hmm. is the developer how they did that. And, and that's just unfortunately that's how I play games mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I wish I could just go back to the ignorant <laughs> state of just enjoying it. But um, – more and more, I notice, and this isn't just with video games, it's with TV shows, it's with books, it's with movies, where basically the premise is in this game, you something something bad happens to someone you care about. Or in this book, something bad happens to someone you care about. Or in this movie mm-hmm. or whatever. Or you're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to feel that way. Um, and, and particularly, I'm talking about Fallout 4 is what really made me mm-hmm. think about this recently. And... It really annoys me uh, when when storytellers take shortcuts, and there are there are emotional shortcuts you can take with storytelling. Um, so, for instance, um, if I have five minutes to get you to care about a character, mm-hmm. right? How can I do that? And realistically, there's no way to actually make someone care about a character in five minutes. Even if that character were to do something that you thought was, like, awesome within mm-hmm. five minutes, like, yeah, you'd be inclined to sort of, like, maybe like them a little bit, but you wouldn't really care about them because mm-hmm. you've only known them very briefly. So if I'm telling a story or in a game or whatever, I have to develop an emotional attachment really quickly, right, because just for the, maybe the pacing of the game or the story or whatever, like, I just need to get to it. Yeah. We can't dwell. I don't want to spend all this time here. Um but I still need you to care about these characters. The shortcut often is like, okay, I want you to care about these characters. I'm going to hint at you caring about these characters. And then I'm going to do something really terrible to those uh-huh. characters. And your natural human reaction is to then care for those characters because uh-huh. something awful happened yeah. to them. Right? And you see this a lot in, in when you look for it in media because uh-huh. like um, – or in TV shows, it's like I don't – 
uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you a character is this way, but I don't have time to keep showing it to you. So you say, mm-hmm. oh, the character is that way. Sure. I'm going to tell you once and then I'm immediately going to show you his fall from grace where mm-hmm. he stops being this way and, mm-hmm. and gets into drugs or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're just going to have to take it on faith that he was that way. And mm-hmm. it's such a tragic thing that he's changed. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the fall so hard that you have no, no choice but to have this natural reaction mm-hmm. to just be like, oh, man, you fall so far. Mm-hmm. Has have they? Like, mm-hmm. do you have any proof? Like, and it's it's just sort of emotional short circuit, mm-hmm. right? This um, shortcut. Um, and I saw it in Fallout, and I don't want to do any spoilers. Mm-hmm. The game's still relatively new. Um, but I saw it in Fallout. I see it in a lot of things. And so that got me thinking, like, what does it take to actually get a player to invest, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because in my mind, we have a couple spectrums. We have one end of the spectrum uh, where you just don't really care about a character. Like you, they, they could come on and be like, oh, help me, this bad thing happened. Yeah. You're just like, whatever, yeah. right? And then the other hand, you've got like what I call Final Fantasy VII's Eris, right? Which people have written books about Eris and, and what and, uh, she died in the game yeah. and how terrible they would go play the Japanese version just to get the <laughs> ending when she comes back. And like, yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. she was present in the movie briefly and everyone freaked out and and is like they really care about yeah. that character so what somewhere on that spectrum all characters sort of lie and, and what does it take to really to get players to invest emotionally and also how to do it quickly and efficiently and now i'm a developer i'm a programmer i have really no idea how to do any of that and obviously you're a designer and artist but you're also much more in tune to people, which is why I thought you'd have some interesting insights on this um, and much more creative type than I am. So I was curious what you thought. What would it take to get you to care about a character or um, so that you could just dash it or or whatever, right? That kind of investment. That's the angle I was approaching. Um, So, you know, that's what I mean when I'm talking about involvement, engagement, caring about something. Well, maybe we, uh, if we wanted to use a, like a professional developer's, perspective on it like if it was uh, uh, either as like a lead or as a manager and you're thinking about actual real human beings and mm-hmm. understanding their motivations and i think maybe that's what that's the key word there i think what you were talking about was triggering empathy mm-hmm. like oh wow that was really harsh i'm like i can't imagine if that happened to me like oh that would be terrible and now i feel empathy for this character for mm-hmm. having suffered something so terrible if something great happens to character then you just feel envy and that's not sure. you know, so like what we don't tra- we don't use that very much right mm-hmm. but we'll use empathy and then you feel good about yourself like oh i'm an empathetic person i'm a good person i'm a good yeah. person that you know to 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 you know to uh, pity the suffering of this poor character mm-hmm. um so that's that's a trick. It's like right, you turn a right. corner and you see two people. One person punches the yeah. other one. Your first instinct is to go to the person who got punched and go, hey, you other guy, leave him alone. Yeah, yeah, like, you have yeah. no idea yeah, what happened right, before you right. turn that corner. Yeah. Right. But this other idea of um, motivation uh, I think is interesting in that as a developer, it's dangerous in our medium to say, I need you to care about mm-hmm. this character. All I can do is um, almost like a work of fine art is uh, I want you to have a reaction. and But the way you interact with this software, and that's why it's interactive mm-hmm. and entertainment, it's your decision. And so I have to be okay with that. I, I might try to motivate you, but it can't be through leading you by the nose. Like mm-hmm. you ask any lead artist who's tried to make an artist um, – conform to something that is alien to them or use a tool that they have they never know, used, right. they don't know and they're not comfortable with, um, it's going to be painful. But if you uh, 
and I'm, I don't want to sound like it's be, it's a trick. It's not a trick. Mm-hmm. You just have to present the information that says, this is what's in it for you. If you want to invest in this thing, if you want to invest in this character, mm-hmm. if you want to invest in this tool, if you want to invest in this art style, if you want to invest in anything, something really awesome could happen mm-hmm. that I think naturally aligns with your interests as a human being. So I would suggest, as a, if you were a character designer, maybe the way to go is like, is like, who is my audience? You have to really understand right. who are you making this game for? Mm-hmm. And it's not like teenagers 17 or young adults 17 to 25. It's like, no, it's okay. It's young adults. Were 17, you with 25. me the other day when I said that? When? Uh, we were talking about target audiences. Were you with me? Maybe. Because I was just like, someone's always like, like target audience, males 18 to 24. Oh, uh, like, well, the I mean, it's the thing that comes up in class all the time. <laughs> right. And I asked them. Like, they should write that down. It, I, <laughs> I said it in the assignment that a demographic is not a target audience. Target audience is like, okay, it, you can say it's this age range, um, it's Americans, age, this uh, age range with these interests or this background. That mm-hmm. becomes a lot more specific. And then you can say, well, that means we all have a shared love for, say, anime mm-hmm. and the melodramatic trappings thereof. Mm-hmm. So I know that if I develop, develop a character a certain way, that it'll speak to the audience, they'll understand that cue. Or even if you archetype. use, yeah, even if you use just these little bit, bits like the main character sees a cute girl and his nose bleeds and everyone in your target audience would be like, oh, that's an anime trope. Like, yeah, I get yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, they feel like, oh, like you're speaking to me. Whatever. Maybe that's a cheap trick too. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyways, it, you have to understand your target audience mm-hmm. and then say, okay, now I'm going to present the information that'll help you create this motivation in yourself to invest. Mm-hmm. Oh, you showed me that this character is about these things. And... I understand how those things are interesting or good for me. Mm-hmm. Like they represent my worldview or they uh, uh, affirm my belief in humanity, whatever. Yeah. So I want to invest in this character. Just like if I were to, say, introduce this tedious new system or process into our art pipeline, but it's necessary, mm-hmm. you would say, if we are willing to do this, these really great things fall out of it. Like there are fewer bugs down the line. People are like, oh, you don't have to tell me more. I will motivate myself. To sold, that yeah. Yeah, I'm sold. And so maybe that's the same thing with character so design. what's interesting to me is you've actually highlighted, whether you know it or not, two, uh-huh. com- two different responses that yield two different yet completely viable rewards, I guess, mm-hmm. and depends entirely upon maybe how you're developing the game. Uh, and so, so something you you first started, first said when we first started this is, is you're going to build these characters to be true, right? Mm-hmm. So this is how they would react. This is uh-huh. what they would do. And if I have a game, if I'm making a game where it's cool if you appreciate the characters, if you get involved in the characters, but it's not crucial, mm-hmm. right? Then that method of, you know what? They're just going to be them. Mm-hmm. And some of them you're going to jive with and some of yeah. you are not. And you're right. going to develop real, actually, sort of, I mean, deep maybe bonding with those characters. And that's totally cool. But if you're making a game where you need mm-hmm. that, then then maybe you don't approach it like that. Yeah. Maybe instead you just outline these are benefits and these are yeah. not. And so – and again, I don't want to spoil anything, uh, so I'm going to talk about a game. We'll just call it All Out More. Um, and uh, <clears throat> and and in this game, and if you haven't played it, and, and this isn't really a spoiler, but if you're like super averse to anyone talking about it, maybe just throw on some earmuffs right now or, or go get a snack. Um, they take a huge gamble where in order for you to care about this entire experience, this 400 hours plus a gameplay, this mm-hmm. huge world – 
you have to care about these characters very quickly at the mm-hmm. very beginning of the game. You get basically like a a ten minute s- section, mm-hmm. and then go time. Do you care or do you not care? <laughs> and I don't care. As a matter of fact, I see through the ploy, yeah. uh-huh. right? And so the rest of the story kind of rings hollow mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, I, yeah. I have these emotions, but I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, that's kind of – it's a gamble, right? I'm sure plenty of people can develop that bond quickly or, you know, or just got themselves into the vibe of it or whatever and the, you know, whatever. And it was great. But for me, it was just like, oh, all right, yeah, I guess, I guess I care, right? Yeah. Sure, I guess I'm gonna pretend to care for the yeah. sake of continuing to play this yeah. game. And I found myself caring about. I mean, it's a great game, right? Yeah. I've, I've yeah. played. It's been out like two weeks, and I've played a stupid amount of time. I'm never gonna mention it because <laughs> we're getting close to a hundred hours. Uh, but anyway, um, but uh, but I find myself caring about way many other yeah. things. So it's like, oh, I guess I'll just finish the main storyline mm-hmm. so I can go back to doing what I'm enjoying. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's a bit of a, a gamble in the, in that regard. And so that's kind of what got me thinking. And, and, and as, you're, as you're saying, if if Bethesda had approached it and fall out and say, okay, we don't have a lot of time to get you to care about these characters, so let me just lay it out for you. Mm-hmm. Like these are the reasons you should care. These are the benefits you can have from mm-hmm. caring. The choice is yours. I'd be like, oh, cool. All right, I want those benefits. Uh-huh. So, yeah, all right, I'll do uh-huh. that. And then and then it kind of, you know, just the, the familiarity sort of comes from that. But if it felt like they were going for, for column A, didn't do column B, and just tried to, like, use a cheap mm-hmm. trick to get you to care. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to see these these different ways you had mentioned and, and talk, differently talk mm-hmm. about demographic and stuff like that helps. And, you know, another thing that sort of got me thinking or, or that I was thinking about is is even if you – I mean because the question is always like, well, if I don't care about character interaction as a developer or designer, uh-huh. then I don't really care about this particular topic of conversation. Uh-huh. But if you think about it, getting someone to care about a character is very similar to getting someone to care about your game uh-huh. so they can keep coming back and enjoying. Even if your game is like a match three game, what uh-huh. makes them care about your uh-huh. game? There's a lot of match three games. Uh-huh. What makes them care about this? How do we get players to care? Because that's the crux of our right. industry. Yeah. I mean, franchises and kingdoms are built upon yeah. fans and uh-huh. fanaticism, right? Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that's that was a long monologue uh-huh. on my part, but that's sort of my yeah. thought process of the whole thing. <laughs> Would you say that the... Um Pigs and the birds and angry birds are characters that people can care about? Um, I would say they were entities. I don't know that I would say they were characters. Now, it's my understanding that there's specific ones in cutscenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cutscenes are they're more like storyboards. You know, they're just yeah. still comic mm-hmm. panels. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it depends on, I guess, it depends on maybe your emotional maturity, so mm-hmm. to speak. I'm not suggesting I'm a mature person. That is, <laughs> even an emotionally mature Anyone who's person. Played your games? Are your games? They're on your website, right? Some of them are. Yeah. Some of them. Are. <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second here. But, sure. but yeah. Whatever. If anyone's played any of your games, they're going to know you're not emotionally mature. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you could just still walk into a room and make a fart noise, and I would laugh. <laughs> uh, but no. But my son gets really into the specific characters in Angry Birds, while mm-hmm. you know I myself don't. But then again, I mean, it's that whole child cartoon, everything is magic mm-hmm. mentality, right? Mm-hmm. He's six, right? And so uh, maybe it just requires a different person or a different mindset to to consider them characters and to care about them in that regard. Um, 
if that answers your yeah. question, I guess. It's just interesting in that I bet that the recognition factor of those entities or characters, if you want to be generous mm-hmm. and call them characters, um, is probably a lot higher than any character from a lot more. Um. Oh, <laughs> for a second I was like, "From what?" And no I was spoilers like, oh. here. <laughs> oh, right, right. Well, uh, and s- by the way, you you're probably going to put like a little notice, like uh, spoiler alert from blah to blah. If you are playing all out more, don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. have to figure out how to spell all out more. <laughs> okay. Um, and everyone reading the summary is gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> uh, if anyone even reads the summaries, mm-hmm. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I think to to some extent when we're talking about like Angry Birds specifically. Um, and this is this is how my mind works. Immediately when you talked about caring about Angry Birds, uh-huh. I thought of glass beakers from chemistry. <laughs> really? All right, so here's why. Uh-huh. All right. Beaker. This makes total sense, which is why no one ever understands what the hell I'm talking about when I teach a class. Uh, and so the reason we use glass beakers is because mm-hmm. chemicals um, don't have any foundation to grab onto, right? Glass beakers are a very smooth surface, mm-hmm. very small pores, very mm-hmm. few um, um, placeholds, right? Mm-hmm. Imperfections, yeah. right? Because if there are any imperfections, chemicals can sit in their mold, yeah. can grow in their bacteria, yeah. can fester, that sort of thing, yeah. right? And so I almost view emotional attachment to characters like fungus or bacterial growth in these beakers. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't care about Angry Birds, and I imagine most people don't care about the individual, mm-hmm. is because you have a whole series that are exactly the same. I have three of the triangle mm-hmm. ones. So why would I care about any one triangle one? Because mm-hmm. they're all just carbon copies. Uh-huh. Now, if any one of them had a flaw, uh-huh. I'd be like, that's my guy, <laughs> right? That yeah. one that's distinguishable, uh-huh. I can I can get behind that one, right? You know, we talk about... You talk about developing your own internal storylines for your squads in StarCraft, and I was talking yeah. about XCOM, and I've got my one guy who's mm-hmm. like, I'm uh, that's my guy, right? Um, because he's just slightly different than the rest. Mm-hmm. I gave him a different name and whatever, and it maybe you know maybe it takes a flaw and a differentiation to really make you look at a character and go, yeah, I like that one. That one, <laughs> that one is lesser than the perfect one. All right, that one is somehow flawed, and like I dig that, you know. <laughs> um, and maybe again, that's just me. I don't claim to be. Um, like a spokesperson for the my demographic, I suppose, because <laughs> I'm sure I'm not. But uh, but as far as Angry Birds or other cartoons or other games where you have a series, like it, you know, it's, it's hard to find any attachment because it's just carbon copy, you know, replicas. Like, mm-hmm. why would I care about any one when there's so many of them? Uh, That's interesting, um, and maybe this is why I ended up being comfortable uh, in a. Uh, directors or a lead a lead role mm-hmm. my interest in games have always been um in the ones where i got to have a group of dudes doing something really cool mm-hmm. and i got to take care of them and it, i like was never into the games where i am this specific character or i get to see this specific characters that the author got or the developer got to create mm-hmm. i like the games where the developer said uh come up with a character give it a name and now watch it prosper or perish uh in this world and those are the games i cared about the ones where you got to create the character sure and then 
so there, all the motivations, I got to imagine them and, and give, like, for example, I'll give a concrete example, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, mm-hmm. uh, whether I, I played it on the Commodore 64, the Amiga, I bought it again on the PC when they did the, the renewed one. Have you played the, the uh, it's old now. It's like The remake? The remake. The, no. The cartoony remake. All, uh, no. I mean, there will never be another sloop or dinghy in my heart <laughs> uh, besides the original. But for me, like, the way you talk about caring about... Um, Characters, I cared about my crew, even though it was an, always a mm-hmm. flexible thing, even though sometimes they were angry. Sometimes there were 12 guys. Sometimes there were 250 guys and we were mm-hmm. going to sack Panama. But I always cared about those guys, even though they were never really ever represented on screen, except for when you were in battle and they were just a static icon. Yeah. Um, all those games, I care I care about those little dudes. And a, to greatly <laughs> contrast that, so like say a game like uh, Starship Command or FTL. Uh, uh-huh. Right, I don't know if you ever played FTL. If you mm-hmm. have it, you should check it out. It's okay. really going to suck up a lot of your time. It's a kind of just—it's a repeatable kind of just okay. fun sci-fi game, whatever. But in games like that, you get these teams of people like you would, yeah. right? Um, and you would think, oh, I'm going to be—I'm interested in my team of people. But for me, I'd always just pick one of them uh-huh. and be like, that's my guy. <laughs> and I don't care yeah. about any of the other uh-huh. ones. Uh-huh. That's my guy. And, you know, you talk about being more of a management and running a team. And I I would hate that. And I, I don't even like being on a team. Like in, in my job now, I'm kind of bummed. Like I want to be the guy that you're just like, hey, there's this stuff over here uh-huh. that no one else wants to or can do. You just go do that. And I'm just like, sweet. Yeah. You're, right? like, I'm, you're the scout. You're the sniper. I'm Delta Squad. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, – I don't know if you've ever played Planet Side 2. Um, if you haven't, it's an amazing game. You've um, talked about it many times. Oh, my God, so good. <laughs> I got to talk about it this past weekend again, like gave maybe Jones and Ford again. But I, when I played, I was part of a, 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 a community, and I was always part of Delta Squad. And we were the ones that were always sent off to do the uh-huh. weird, like uh-huh. Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie would like assault and take these points, but uh-huh. not Delta Squad. Uh-huh. Delta Squad would always do, and that was my that was my yeah. jam, right? Uh-huh. And so, yeah. Again, it takes maybe very different things for me to care about what's going on and what you're doing and, and the people around you as opposed uh, to you. I want to be a member of the team, uh-huh. not someone in charge of the uh-huh. team. And yeah. You very much like to be sort of in the managerial role. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, it sounds egotist, egotistical to say like, I like to be in charge of the team. I just like knowing that I took care of the team. Like mm-hmm. the team prospered. Yes, you know, these guys, they would have been like miserable and suffering in this tavern. But no, we went Who out. Who suffers we in a tavern? Because <laughs> where all the fun, fun is. You know, and pirates are just these angry looking, you know, you see the angry looking pixels. Yeah, angry looking pixels. And you're like, no, come on, guys. We can do better. Let's get on, get on that sloop. Yes, and the sloop was mine. <laughs> the sloop was the best. The sloop it was, was so bad. Bad. <laughs> so bad. It's like it maxed out at like a crew of 96. Yeah, but you can like just swim guns. circles. Yeah. You don't, need, you don't need a lot of cargo when and you take so, your opponent's ship. And, and there again, like I, so you and I are like commiserating over this. This is something I played, what, over 30 years ago? Yeah. I still remember And do you think design. those designers were like, let's put in little tricks to make our players care about the, the crew? Yeah. No. No, but yeah. it's not really the, it would, but the sloop. Yeah. Is like a character. Was a character. And it had a bunch of in-game behaviors. So the personality, the, the attributes the underdog, of the sloop. Right? Yeah. It was like. Wasn't supposed to be this thing. You go up it, against the capital ship, yeah, but just yeah. right. So, anyways, <laughs> maybe so. It's an underdog story, but it's versatile. I love an underdog. Yeah, and um, and because it's sort of like the pistol in Halo One. Everyone's like, if you talk about anything that the short, unassuming thing that ends up being the master of all, it's the yeah, Yoda. Yeah, the pistol right. is the Yoda. Yeah, so of it's the Halo like series. maybe maybe it's it's too fine a point to say what makes. 
like what do designers do to make us care about a character? Mm-hmm. It's like what do designers do to make us care about anything? Yeah, it's an underdog that, if used correctly, will swim circles around the Certainly. The, the the powers that that be. Yeah, and that's what gets us to really care about things in games. Maybe the same yeah. would apply. Something to that stands out, right? Yeah, and I guess it's maybe my moral my moral high ground. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole I guess maybe thesis in my mind is to say like. If you're approaching it from how do I get my character players to care about this, you're already approaching yeah. it the wrong way, right? This is what it is. For love it or hate it, mm-hmm. this is true to itself, and you'll find your characters yeah. or your players. I keep saying character. Your players have natural responses to it, and I think more and more designers approach. Because I used to always say like when I when I was teaching and a student would be like, well, my my players are going to care about my mm-hmm. character. I'm building mm-hmm. a game where the characters mm-hmm. where players care about the characters, and I would always say like. You can't approach it like that. No one approaches it like that. That's not a real world uh-huh. thing. And then in the real world, someone here in a real designer would be like, well, I need my character, players to care about the characters. I'm like, oh, shit, it is a real world thing. Right. Stop doing that. Right. Like, why are <laughs> – stop stop doing these things. These are bad things. Um, it just – it's such a backwards – it's kind of like how can I get money out of this product as opposed to like – the true vision of it, I guess, uh-huh. which is staying true to the vision would probably yield better results in the long run anyway. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I guess I don't really have any more to add about this. But there, I don't know yeah. anything more to add about no, it. No. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really. We kind of got weird tangential whatever <laughs> there. Um, but anyway, so talking about my games uh-huh. and my emo- emotional maturity. Um, <clears throat> so we, we whenever when, when teaching, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, I'm back after a near death experience. <laughs> I coughed, and uh, I have to remove that. But anyway. So uh, when either doing a workshop or teaching a class or whatever, and talking about uh, target audience, target demographic, and we talked about my games, uh-huh. right? And my games are stupid. My games are so <laughs> dumb, but th- that's why I like them, right? That is fun. Um, I'm literally in the process of making a whole series of bro games, like straight up fraternity <laughs> yeah. games. Uh-huh. Uh, last year's Global Game Jam, I made Sack, right. sack Tapper. We <laughs> yeah. had to punch each other in the nuts, right? <laughs> yes. um, I have a VR experience where you're trying to pee uh, and you're drunk. And so you've got to like keep your balance and not pee on the rim and stuff like that. And But anyway, so <laughs> if you play my games, you might wonder like, what the heck, right? I, you know what? Wait, we might want to collaborate because I'm trying to do a, a VR game where you're trying to save a fish. <laughs> and a cup. Okay. The cup's empty. Well, we could fix that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I and I, I always wonder, like, what's motivating the water to come out of the sky? <laughs> oh, well, I, I guess people won't ask that question. I but now. I don't I, think a fish can survive in pee water. <laughs> well, maybe that's just, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire. Fair so enough. the first stage I call is it to, pee water. So it'd yeah, be less gross yeah, than just yeah, saying yeah. urine. Yeah, get, you get into the pee water and then you worry about that other problem. Beggars can't be choosers, fish. Get in the pee. Right. Oh God, that got gross. <laughs> <laughs> so in my game, you pee on a fish. Um, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> make millions. It's called a golden fish. That's right. And that's the one idea to just take it home. And that's like, anyway. Um, so... When I always talk about the, the demographic target, audience, <laughs> I always say I have I have I have the same target audience for every game I make. <laughs> it's my friend Jake. Okay, you've met yes, Jake. Yes, Jake is my literally my target audience in every the, game I make. He writes poetry, Jake. The, he writes poetry, <laughs> Jake. He, he's been a friend of mine since I was ten, mm-hmm. and every game I make, as I'm designing it, in my mind, I'm just pretending I'm just 
telling him about it, uh-huh. right, and seeing his reaction to it because mm-hmm. I know him fairly well. Um, and that's how I designed like literally all of my games, right? Like uh, my waffle teleporter game. You literally shoot a waffle and then teleport to its position. And if you – the goal is to shoot it under a player's – an enemy's feet and then you uh-huh. teleport to it, thus exploding out from inside of the enemy because uh-huh. you teleported to the same 3D uh-huh. space they had, Matrix style, right? Uh-huh. And I just – Thing. Hey, hey, Jake! How would you like to just shoot waffles and blow out of like, mm-hmm. blow up out of people? And sweet, like, <laughs> fuck yeah! Um, and so, yeah. So, um, but the but though I guess the whole goal in, in mentioning this is that having one is important in, in in actually thinking about your target audience and and in the case of real development, non just games made for whatever kicks and stuff like that. Getting a group of your target audience to play test and to to go through and and to 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 see how they actually react and and see how well you actually know what your target audience mm-hmm. is and what they want is super duper important. Yeah. I mean, not just and again to bring it back around to talking about caring about characters, but caring about anything in your game, right? Um, and so I have this sort of mental target audience that I always just kind of go with, um, but. It, it is a super important thing, and I think a lot of times um, students, people new, um, uh, or you know, just people that kind of from, from different genres and industries think you're blowing smoke. Like, oh yeah, the target audience mm-hmm. males, eighteen to twenty-four, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, no, it really mm-hmm. is important. You know, I don't yeah. think you quite understand that it is actually something people do, and not just one of those things that everyone's just like, oh yeah, we pretend we do. It's not mm-hmm. the fire drill mm-hmm. in the industry. Where we're like, oh yeah, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not making air quotes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just you start talking about target audience, and I'm like, I should bring up Jake. He doesn't know that, by the way. He, if he listens to my podcast, he'd be like, oh, I didn't, and then things will get weird. I'm honored. <laughs> or, or creeped out. I don't know. He, he'll get weird. He'll write a poem about it. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, now Jake can be your target audience. <laughs> we'll pass it along like a disease. Um, okay, so the other topic then was network stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was amused that you were now telling me that you started noticing all these networky things. Yes. I used to just think that the game was busted or that the frame rate was slow and I would change the graphic settings. Mm -hmm. But now I'm realizing, no, what I'm seeing is the effect of the internet. What I'm seeing is network lag. Mm -hmm. And this is why those bars that we see, it's not just like, because I'm used to associating like maybe with League of Legends or some other games. It's like if you have bad latency or bad lag you just break the game mm-hmm. what i didn't realize is like it doesn't matter if it's good ping or bad ping doesn't you are slowed when you play on a network no matter no, what no matter what and the the illusion it is an illusion mm-hmm. that the game is actually smooth and i don't know i don't know if we ever talked about it on air or during the podcast mm-hmm. um but you were explaining to me and that it was just fascinating it's like oh i totally see it now that you know all these tricks that are being mm-hmm. played, and I went back and I played some older games that I used to play right. networked, and noticed <clears throat> I can't believe I used to play this way. And then you explained to me, oh, actually, maybe it wasn't as bad, right? But certainly it was bad. Uh, mm-hmm. You just didn't. You were used to it. Um, it got better, but maybe some of the effect that I'm seeing playing the old game now is because the internet has changed. I'm like, what do you mean it's changed? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like we're on internet version two or internet yeah. version three, right? It's just, yeah constantly changing evolving thing so if games are written for a tech right that doesn't exist anymore right then more than likely either a they just won't work you won't be able to play them or b they'll work with a serious 
handicapped because some other tech exists to emulate older hardware mm -hmm. so the games will still run or any software will still run. So it may be worse now than it used to okay. be. So you're like, man, am I just yeah. misremembering? Maybe. Maybe yeah. it was always that terrible. Yeah. Or maybe it's just terrible now uh -huh. because it's like the whole emulator thing. Yeah. You're emulating hardware right. and stuff that doesn't exist. Um, and that slows things down. But um, I was thinking about this. So since you brought this up last time, um, I, I was thinking of maybe a more succinct probably not, probably stupidly confusing <laughs> metaphor, um, way of kind of, ex of explaining the design process here. So, so first and foremost, network engineers, network uh, developers uh, are this sort of elite rare breed in our industry. Um, there are a lot of tools programmers. There are a lot of gameplay programmers. There are a lot of um, – but, but – Graphics and networking, like those two, two still like I'll, I'll call it super geekdom in like a almost reverent way, mm -hmm. right? Not not as an insult, but as a definite yeah. positive. Um, where like old time lost traditional arts still sort of exist, right? It's mm -hmm. the bushido of of programming <laughs> uh, because you know, those folks really got to know their mm -hmm. stuff. All right, graphics got to run screamingly fast, mm -hmm. and networking is just kind of an odd, non hittable beast, right? Um, and so. You know, so first off, all respect, I am not a network engineer. Um, I know how to use tools to, do, to add networking and stuff like that. But as far as getting how those tools mm -hmm. are made, it's not really <clears throat> a thing. Um, I used to write some network code in like Java a long time ago, but that was a long time ago. Um, so anyway, so I'm probably butchering a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, and anyone who's like deep into networking might look, mm -hmm. listen to me and be like, this guy's an idiot. And that's <laughs> fine. I accept that. Um, but besides the technical elements of adding networking to a game, a lot of people don't realize that adding networking to a game is a very heavy design burden, right? It is actually a very creative process. Uh, and so, you know, I can get a network engineer or I can become a network engineer and I could transmit any data on a network that you want. But unless you give me good data to transmit, there's nothing I can do with that. And so I, I was like, well, how can I explain this and how can I come up with a sort of a, a mental exercise mm -hmm. if you were a designer and you're trying to understand this? And so here's what I came up with. So imagine two rooms, two separate mm -hmm. rooms that are connected by a long hallway, all right? In each of these rooms is one person drawing a picture. And in this hallway is a messenger that runs back and forth mm -hmm. room to room. And now the messenger needs to go between the two rooms as fast as possible. And so the messenger can only spend a couple seconds in each room. Mm -hmm. The goal is for the messenger to arrive at a room, deliver a message, and receive a message, and then run to the next room where it delivers a message and receives mm -hmm. a message. The end result, hopefully, is that the two people, one in each room, draws the exact same picture, mm -hmm. right? So person A needs to say, okay, they're, at, they're drawing this. I'll draw the same thing. This is what I'm drawing. And mm -hmm. then person B will say, oh, that's what they're drawing. Okay, this is how I've changed my drawing mm -hmm. back to person A. Right? And so that's networking basically. Okay. And so the goal from a design standpoint is saying, what message can I send with the messenger that is short enough that I can receive it and deliver it very quickly, mm -hmm. but also detailed enough that our two pictures will end up being the yeah. same thing. And that's the crux of networking. That's where you say, what data is super important, right? Um, in case anyone missed this, the, the hallway mm -hmm. was the network right. and the two okay. rooms with the two <laughs> clients playing the game and the, the picture is what you see on screen. Um, 
what what do I need to pass down the network that that is important enough that that I should send it, all right, so that the other players know what I'm doing. I can't send everything because that's too big of a message. It takes and that's too the part long. that boggled my mind. Like, oh, I never realized that. Well, there's only so many inputs on a controller. Mm-hmm. Surely everything is important. Every nuance that I input has to be communicated between right. the systems. But it's I mean, some, and it really depends on the game. Okay. Some it is, some it isn't. Right. Okay. So, like, I if I'm so let's take a, a couple examples, right? Mm-hmm. So let me start by saying. Um, a very conceptual game, mm-hmm. all right? And so this is a game where I don't really interact with the world too much, right? Very little agency. And so, excuse me, if I, um, if I am coming up with, um, say, a yellow chair, right? In my game, I'm drawing one or I've invoked one. Maybe I'm playing scribble knots, right, where you can just type in some words and mm-hmm. the object appears, whatever. What the object actually looks like is not really all that important. Exactly where it is, also not super important, right? Just the fact that it exists. That's all that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pass through the network this yellow chair, the image of this yellow chair, the position of this. I don't mm-hmm. – all I need to do is pass the idea of yellow chair. Now, you're going to have a yellow chair in yours. And yellow chair, of course, mm-hmm. is just metaphorical mm-hmm. at this point, but you go mm-hmm. – you're going to have a completely different yellow chair. Maybe you imagine maybe a leather chair with just a little bit of yellow yeah. on it. Maybe maybe it's a, a folding patio mm-hmm. chair that's completely – maybe it's plastic. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. All that's important is that you have a yellow chair and I have mm-hmm. a yellow chair. But if they don't match up, it does not matter, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like – so it, it, to put it in maybe a game context, if I – if we're playing a shooter game yeah. and I shoot a rocket, it blows up this wall. Uh-huh. It is not important that when the physics engine locally uh-huh. takes over and puts little bits of debris uh-huh. everywhere, right. that my debris and your debris match. Uh-huh. All our systems have to know is that wall well, is gone, gone and there is debris. Right. Right. What debris? Who cares? There's uh-huh. just debris. Uh-huh. Right. The only thing that's important is wall blew up. That's it. Uh-huh. And so our individual physics engines will place debris mm-hmm. and if they'll be in different spots and it doesn't matter. We don't interact with that mm-hmm. debris in right. any way. Right? But to be clear, this is like the render-only debris. If it created a cover object, that it, would if be – If it needed to be usable, right. then that's right. something okay. that's important, right? right. Um, another example, and this is interesting. This, a lot of people tout this as a feature and I'm not sure if it is or is not, mm-hmm. but I, I suspect it's not a feature. <laughs> um, so in Destiny uh-huh. – when you're shooting and you enemies mm-hmm. and you get ammo drops, they're your ammo drops, mm-hmm. right? And items fall, they're your items. Right. No one else can see those. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, that's smart. No one can take my bullets. Right. No one can take right. my ammo or my items. Only I get those. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you're right, that is smart. I don't need to pass that data along the network, <laughs> right? They don't need to know where right. my ammo right. is because right. we don't share it. Right. That's data that doesn't have to be sent. Uh-huh. The server just needs to tell me, hey, you got some you got some ammo drops. Right. The server probably doesn't even need to tell me where. The server mm-hmm. just goes, client, ammo fell down. Put it somewhere right. that makes sense. Yeah. And the client's like, cool, all right, some all here right. and some right. there, whatever, right? And why – I can't even – even if I had it side by side with another client, I couldn't compare to see if they were right. the same because right. it's a quote-unquote feature right. that no one right. else can get your right. bullets. I'll, I'll uh, give you a little bit of information. I oh, do perfect. remember uh, back in the early days of development on that project that – Are that, we going to have to redact this? I don't 
I wouldn't think so because they talk about it as a feature. You okay. said they publicly, they yeah, people fact, do. I don't know. They, they in <laughs> fact talked about like you know what sucks about like I think like World of Warcraft or mm-hmm. whatever. Tyson was really into playing World of Warcraft. He's like, people steal your drops. Yeah, and we want to prevent that. But then I'm sure. Drew Solomon, network engineer, was like, that's awesome because then I don't have to transmit that data. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. there's where you're talking. It's a design problem as well. You mm-hmm. can't just say everything's there. Uh, when you were speaking, it made me think of a, a word that I hear a lot from engineers. Lies? No. no <laughs> False? No. Uh, weak-ass art is something they you – know, Weak-ass we art. No, we, we, we accuse them of weak-ass code. But no, uh, mm. no, deterministic behavior. Yes. That comes up a lot. Is that specifically to deal with this whole networking thing? Like I just said yellow chair. In order for this to be as fair as possible, you better and I better have systems on our clients that will create a chair that is nearly identical, if not identical, so that the competitive experience yeah. is, is fair. It really depends on the game. So here's here's the area that determinism comes up a lot, uh-huh. right? Um, and whether it comes from people who are new to an area or maybe just new to a specific way of doing things or are, are pioneering a new system, right? So it's not always like naivety, right? There's a lot of times there's legitimate reasons. But a lot of times determinism is also a lie, right? It's almost a, a trick, right? Because here's the thing. In the real world, physics is 100% deterministic, Right? You have this chaos theory mm-hmm. stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. But physics, the real world, mm-hmm. is 100% deterministic. The problem is there are so there are nearing infinite, unmeasurable variables. Every molecule of mm-hmm. air that that will drastically change every equation. So you can say, I have no idea what this is actually going to do in a very small level. I mean, you can drop mm-hmm. a ball and the ball will bounce. Yes. Mm-hmm. But how high? With exactly how mm-hmm. much turn? Mm-hmm. With exactly how much shift? With mm-hmm. exactly how much velocity versus angular? I, I can ballpark it, mm-hmm. right? And you would think, why can't you calculate that? It's deterministic. But the fact of the matter is, is it's mm-hmm. you could if you had every piece of data. Quick timeout. Sure. Because even though I've heard it for years, I don't know what engineers really mean. Like specifically, let's be very exact. Mm-hmm. What does deterministic mean it means if i in a game world Mm -hmm. or in the real world in a vacuum or whatever if i throw this ball Uh starting at this position with this force at this angle with this spin it will end at this spot every single time without variation without any variation Mm -hmm. not even fractions of a millimeter difference Mm -hmm. that's deterministic if i spin a roulette wheel Mm -hmm. and it spins this long this fast and i drop the bead at this Mm -hmm. spot it should end up on the same number every single mm-hmm. time. It doesn't. It doesn't mm-hmm. in the real world. It doesn't anywhere else, right? Um, because you're seeing all these really small exactly. variations occur. And so what you have is you can have a physics engine, mm-hmm. and a physics engine can make completely deterministic stuff mm-hmm. because there are way less variables. Mm-hmm. In, in There's no actual <laughs> molecules. Exactly. Right, in right. physics, it's like you have mass and your velocity, yeah. you have friction, and, uh-huh. and you've got like viscosity and bounciness and done. Right. And so four variables. This is easy. Right. And so those engines actually implement their own error on purpose to emulate the real world, which, in fact, is not real at all because the real world is deterministic, just not really. Uh But since uh, the physics engine is basically sophisticated 
shortening of the real world you have to make right. it seem real by right. making it imperfect right, right. Um, so they make it seem real by making it less real basically okay. um, so determinism right is mm-hmm. is often a lie um, gambling is a great place where we see a lot of people ask for deterministic behaviors right again the roulette wheel mm-hmm. if I'm making a game someone makes a roulette game their first thought is yeah I'm gonna spin this thing I'm gonna drop a ball mm-hmm. it's gonna bounce around it's gonna end this number right mm-hmm. easy peasy but what really needs to happen is when the player chooses to play, I'm going to randomly generate a number, all right? And I need to know uh-huh. where to drop the ball to allow physics to make it end in that spot. That's the wrong way of going about it because uh-huh. chaos, right? That will never happen. You can never do that, especially could you imagine the horrors of being like, well, I calculated black five, right? But mm-hmm. they landed on double zero jackpot. Oh no, because the the engine screwed up and was chaotic and didn't give me what I expected. And so what we often do um, is we say, you know what? Okay, we're going to build this model. We're going to build a working roulette, right? Wheel, physically mm-hmm. driven and everything, and a ball, and we're going to drop it, right? We're going to let it bounce around. We're going to see where it ends. Now here's the trick. This is where we mm-hmm. fake it. We want this to have real physics, right? We want this mm-hmm. to be a real physical, like I look at this, it's like I'm actually there. Right. So here's what we do. We run this game, this mm-hmm. example, 10,000 times. And we record each time mm-hmm. and say, we let go of the ball here, that's where it mm-hmm. ended up. Mm-hmm. And we store this. Mm-hmm. So that later, when the player is like, I'm playing the game, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and there's two ways they can go about it. So first off, either maybe I secretly say, oh, it's black five or mm-hmm. whatever. Quick, play the black five animation. Huh. Well, it's not real physics now. Yeah. Yeah. It was real physics was, then. Right. You right. are seeing real physics. Uh-huh. It's just pre-recorded. Right, right. Right? Uh-huh. And so I know you will end up on black uh-huh. five, right? Because uh-huh. I yeah. picked that yeah. very specific scenario right. when we ran it, right, right? as a video or uh-huh. as a yeah. whatever, right? And so, hey, you saw real physics and we got the result we uh-huh. wanted, deterministic, huh. right? Or if, let's say, the user gets a chance to pick where when they want to drop the ball. Uh-huh. So the relay wheel spin in, the relay yeah. wheel spin in. They say, now nah, I want to drop the ball. Right then, you raycast straight down and be like, oh, we're over... Yeah. Red three, yeah. quick grab red three, yeah. run that. And then boom, 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 physics, right? Yeah. And we know where it's going to land. Yeah. Because we're, again, we're running right. a pre-rendered right. example, right? Uh, so we get real yeah. physics, uh-huh. real determinism, uh-huh. right? But not really. <laughs> right? It's a video of, so to speak, it's a, yeah, pre- it's a, Yeah, you're just running through right, what, what's right. previously happened. Do you think then, theoretically, one day we could have a game, like a sh- first-person shooter, where Every frame, potential frame or scenario, and maybe it's not even frame, mm-hmm. each object is pre, like there's a bajillion. It would not be worth it. Yeah. Every, by the every single yeah. moment uh-huh. of some slight is going to create an infinite right, exponential right. growth of yeah. possible outcomes. Like there's, I mean, re- yes. Yeah. Theoretically, yes, you could yeah. do that, but it's so not worth yeah. it. Because if you could pre-render a first-person shooter, it'd look photoreal, right? It would mm-hmm. yeah. just be running through video of It'd be like the object. Area 51 video game at the arcade <laughs> right. where they did use the real actors, right? <laughs> right, and, right. It still yeah. look terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you take these real videoed actors yeah. and put them in a video yeah. game environment, they're going right. to look awful. Um, 
and not not, not Who Framed Roger I Rabbit. I didn't know style. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, none of that has to do with networking. Yeah. But but the idea is that, that we fake a lot of it, uh-huh. right? Um, and so with networking, so I had talked about like the yellow chair, where it doesn't yeah. really matter. I talked about Halo, where like okay, there are weapon drops and, uh-huh. and ammo drops or whatever. But there are times, like you had said, like uh, would covers created or whatever, where I do need to tell you where all these these things uh, happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, and again, I don't mean to bash Bethesda. It's just yeah. sort of the, the company of the day because I've uh-huh. been I played Fallout like six hours uh-huh. today because <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> and uh, and so Bethesda is notoriously bad. I don't know. I don't want to say notoriously bad. They, they the internet is a buzz with the thing that I think you're about to talk about. Was the bugginess. No, 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 no. I'm never about to talk about the bugginess. Okay. Okay. I was going to talk uh, – no, the bugginess – okay, so sidebar. The bugginess is probably my favorite part. <laughs> it really makes the game more real, uh-huh. right? You have a companion that's a dog. It's like your character with a flaw. You well, love the but, character but, but, with but the flaw. You have, you have a, a dog companion. Yeah. I'm in the middle of some dungeon, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Hey, dog, go home. And like I'm, I'm, I'm going to go without a companion. I, always, I hate playing with companions, uh-huh. right? Just go home. I'll see you later. Uh-huh. And the dog's like – Ciao, man. It takes off. I go home. Dog's not there. <laughs> no. That really feels like real life, doesn't it? <laughs> right. I was in the middle of God knows where. I was across the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> and I'm like, dog, go home. And the dog just gives me a quizzical like, Meh? and then he's gone. <laughs> where the, I found him like hours later just slumming it with some other dog <laughs> in like a dog house in a completely different area I'd never been to. Like, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. this feels pretty real. So anyway, yeah. so the bugs really sell the fall I came for There's another me. spoiler. People who are like, oh, man, don't spoil the dog lost. Thing and the no, everyone. The, the dog. He was in the trailer. I mean, there's no spoil. Like that's the big. That's one of the big major. That was the one companion I could mention without any spoilers. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, but Bethesda, in my mind, is, is not great at networking stuff, internet stuff. Mm-hmm. Skyrim, huge single player, right? Oblivion, uh, you know, uh, Fallout, the whole Fallout series. Right? Their games, while greatly successful, expansive masterpieces, right? Super not networkable. Mm. And everyone's like, man, wouldn't it be great if we could have Skyrim, but with two players? Fallout with yeah. two players. Well, like, I just mentioned, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if other people could visit your settlement? But here's the thing we're talking about that bandwidth, right? Mm-hmm. I So Destiny gets by with only having ammo drops for you. Yeah. So you don't have to share that data. Mm-hmm. In Fallout, almost every object in the world is interactable. Can you imagine having the bandwidth mm. to pass the state of the entire mm. near vicinity mm. across all players? Mm. Like, I'll walk into a room and there will be at least right. 50 items I can pick up right. or manipulate in some right. way. I can't share that data. I just cannot. Even if we had a fiber optic internet, would that... Without networking, my system can barely do it. Okay. Most of the bugs uh, uh-huh. and performance glitches comes from your own single instance uh-huh. Uh-huh. not being able to keep track of all of these things, right? Okay. And it's just too much. So if your own system can't do it. A networked experience could okay. is just not possible, hmm. right? At least not right now. And so hmm. when Elder Scrolls Online was announced, right, and they were like, it's going to be like Fall or like Skyrim, but with many people, and I'm like, no, no, it's not. Right, and then later it was like, okay, no, it's not. Right, oh, this is actually, you know, it's not working out. Now it's gonna be more like a traditional MMO, and it was like, oh, okay, so it's basically just World of Warcraft again, uh-huh. right? And and that was exactly my thinking when every, all the the buzz, everyone's like, oh, it's gonna be like this, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, I'd love that, uh-huh. but it's really not 
Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, there's a mod that allowed you to play Skyrim with other players, right? Uh -huh. However, they would just be in your world. They couldn't interact with anything. Right. They were just hanging out with you, right? right? And it was just like one other person because you can't pass that. Like you just can't do it. Yeah, now that explains – I remember the game Fable on uh, 360 mm -hmm. or Fable 2, was mm -hmm. it? Where you could see other character, other players in your world, but they were just these disembodied orbs or something. Yeah, spectators. Yeah. Names. yeah. yeah. And like, why? You're so close. They're right there. You, you know where they are. But you're saying, no, because if they could actually interact with your world, now I have to transmit all this other data that yeah. I can't Well, Fable handle. itself is a game where, like, decisions now make big changes later. Right. Are you going to pass all of that data yeah. of all of my previous mm -hmm. decisions down the pipe? And I'm not saying you would have to, but, again, uh -huh. that's a design uh -huh. role, right? A designer has to sit there and say, this is important, this isn't important. Is this a limitation between the – in the metaphor where there's a long hallway and two rooms, two clients, mm -hmm. both trying to paint a picture. What if it was, uh, I'm just trying to receive a picture that you're sending me. Like I'm streaming the That video. is the fable experience you just talked about. You okay. saw the ghost guy. Right. Well, guess what? You're just receiving data of that ghost. Okay. That's all you're doing. So there isn't a, a solution where it's like um, – we all are feeding our inputs into this massive supercomputer. The supercomputer is handling all this stuff and just sending out, this is what you should render to your screen. It's just pixel data. I mean, that itself would be a lot of pixel data would be a lot more than just, oh, okay. you couldn't actually do that over bandwidth. I mean, if, if you've ever, I'm just like, I watch Netflix. <clears throat> couldn't I watch? Well, Netflix oh. is pre-rendered video, right? Right. Okay. Um, I have to send and it's, it. And it has receive, these right. highly, highly optimized codecs okay. to render that video in that fashion. But, uh, have you ever done like a remote login? Use the internet to log into another machine. Yes. You notice yeah. that huge yeah, delay? Yeah. Pixel data is dense. Okay. Right. I would have to transmit to do pixel data. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what 1920 by 1080 yeah. is. Like multiply that uh -huh. out, but I have to. I'd have to send RGBA data, right, 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 right three right. floats or integers, right. depending, right. times whatever nine. Yeah. So three times nineteen twenty okay. times ten eighty yeah. bits of data, twenty four frames a second. Yeah. We'll just say that's TV. Oh yeah, but that's terrible for our gameplay. But yeah, but right, exactly. Yeah, right. But that's you know, no, that would be terrible. Yeah. Or I can just pass three floats, which is my X, Y, and Z position and you just render it. Right. 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 And so that's why, right. that's why gaming systems aren't dumb. That's why that's consoles why, are still going to be around for a while. That's why the processor right. has to be local, yeah. Yeah. right? Because you're just receiving simple numerical right. values right. and I okay. locally have to crunch those numbers okay. and actually present it. Okay. Right. And so again, two people drawing a picture, I have to decide, can I just say blue giraffe or do I, what, and this, there's no answer. I mean, this yeah. is for my game. Can I just say blue giraffe and the other person in the room is going to draw blue giraffe yeah. and if it's different, then that's is what it is. Yeah. It's fine. Or do I need, how much data do I need to be like, it's this blue giraffe. They're this tall. Mm -hmm. They take up this much yeah. of the page. They're looking this way. It, uh, who knows, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that's important. Maybe it isn't. Mm -hmm. It really depends entirely upon the game. Okay. Um, but you will cripple yourself with data. Okay. And the design philosophy is what can I get away with? All right. Yeah. So this is what I'd like to pivot to. Uh -huh. The thing that that conversation made me like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because it makes me think <laughs> oh, that no. the virtual reality experience that I'm imagining of us all being jacked into the Internet with a virtual reality headset, that latency is going to make me throw up every time because as I rotate my head and i.e. rotate my character mm – -hmm. If I'm playing a first-person shooter, 
and virtual reality. Well, first off, there already is a latency. I mean, right, right. But so if we're talking specifically about networking, publicly. not really, because again, we fake it, right? Your environment uh-huh. and you are rendered locally. So you're, there's no network latency, okay. I'll say, when you're looking around just in the world. Go wherever you want. You're just looking okay. around, right? As far as other players concerned, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we had talked about this last time. What you're receiving yeah. uh-huh. is several times a second, but not 60 frames a second, right. definitely not 30 frames a second, right? Is you're, you're just receiving, they're here, they're here, mm-hmm. they're here, they're here, right? And so they would effectively just be teleporting around, mm-hmm. Right. So what we do is when we receive the data, player B is at this spot, but right now they're, they're, they're supposed to be at this spot, but right now they're this spot. Yeah. So in between now and the next time I get data, let me just smoothly move them to okay. that spot. And then the next time you get data, now they're here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me smoothly move them there. Yeah. Right. And so what you see is this smooth yeah. moving, always one update frame behind, but uh-huh. you're not really going to notice uh-huh. kind of deal because that's still okay. many times a second. Uh-huh. Right? Um, you notice it if there's no smoothing, but with the smoothing, you would never yeah. really know. It's like, oh no, I should be one pixel further forward. Yeah. This is all wrong. Yeah. No <laughs> one's going to see that, right? Um, and so we fake a lot of it, okay. right? So um, if I shoot a fireball, um, all I'm really doing is saying, um, here's the fireball starting. Uh-huh. Here is its velocity and trajectory. Okay, and Mike I is pointing it. with his fingers, so I'm sorry. Well, yeah, well, I, I said velocity yeah. and trajectory. <laughs> yeah, so, so here's where the fireball starts. Mm-hmm. I gesticulate a lot. <laughs> um, here's where the fireball starts, and this is the velocity of it, right? And then you can just say, I'm never going to mention the, the fireball again, right? Because your client has everything it needs, it needs. to okay. plot that, unless the okay. fireball curves, uh-huh. right? But if it, again, that's all about your game mechanics, right? The fireball just goes straight. I can. I don't have to mention it ever again. The client will just keep updating it now. That's something that does not need to exist on my network. That's not bandwidthable. Right. And then if I get hit by that fireball, right, my client's the one. And then I say, hey, server, remember uh-huh. that fireball? It uh-huh. hit me. Okay. Right? And then the server goes, oh, okay, cool. I'll go tell whoever started okay. it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so in between me shooting it mm-hmm. and you getting hit, there was no network traffic yeah. about it. It didn't need yeah. to be. Yeah. Right now, if I'm able to aim it, then yeah. every frame I'll be like, "Now here it is. Now right. here it is." Right? right. And again, it just depends on the data you the, you yeah. need to send. Right. Yeah. If your if your stuff isn't trackable, then then not not no bigs. Even if it is, a lot of that can still be handled client side. So the crux of it, I guess, is everything has to do with <laughs> with money. Um, generally, it's always handled server side. But as much as you can get away with client side, get yeah. away with client side. Okay. Um, if you can't get away with it client side, try to handle it com- completely server side mm-hmm. and leave the other clients out of it. If you can't do that, then the server has to send it to everybody. And that's okay. what really slows you down. Okay. Yeah. And right. again, that's my sort of it makes, hacked it, explanation. It makes so much sense when it's expl- explained like that. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's really the stuttering kind of communication between two systems and then letting the sophisticated client software say, well, with this, the gaps in the data, mm-hmm. I know how to smoothly interpolate between those two states. Yeah. The real mind-melding part, uh-huh. right, uh, is you understand all this, right? Yeah. And so if I'm making a game, and in my game, mm-hmm. I have the player. And the player is the same if it's me or if it's you. It's just uh-huh. the player. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a system of controls and looking ability yeah. and inventory whatever. But what I have to know is that the version of the game I build is going to run on both of our machines. We're going to have the same player. 
when you join, you're going to also be a player. And so when I move my mouse mm-hmm. and the player says, when, when you move your mouse, I look around. Well, when I move my mouse around, why doesn't both of our players look around? Right. And they do. And that's a problem. You have to actually write yeah. code or right. change your code to right. say, when I move my mouse, don't move my opponent's character because right. you're reading right. my input. Right, right. We're not both actually players right now. I'm the player. Yeah. I'm the local. Right. You're just some dummy right. that represents the other player. Right. But if you think about it, it's not us looking across the table from each other. It's us sitting next to each other because yeah. we're both we're both the local player. Right, right. But we're just local to us and not each other. It's a really interesting – because it's funny. uh, We have students using Unity right Mm -hmm. now and you'd have to ask them like why why is the local player always the blue player? And then when uh, you watch the playback of the – or the recording of the game, they're they're like, like, wait, I thought I was blue but in your video I'm brown. It's like, well, yeah, in my machine you're brown. But see, our problem is that – the player is the player We're character, the and player. it's always yeah. So <laughs> yeah. the player is blue, and yeah. you're like, oh, that's a weird problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to specifically design your software to say, oh, you, there's a difference between. And unless you don't handle your your cameras right, yeah, right. Like I'll be moving my character, but I won't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. But your screen, you'll be looking around, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be move, trying to move yours, and you <laughs> won't see anything. But on my screen, I'm looking around, like yeah. what the heck is happening? Uh-huh. My controls are controlling your camera, and yeah. your controls yeah. are controlling my camera. Be very specific um, because yeah. we're both the same mm. object, yeah. and we just need to say. Are we the local one? Uh-huh. If we're the local one, retain all of this control. Okay. If we're not the local one, strip everything, everything away so yeah. we're just a dumb graphical representation yeah. without any of that okay. other interactive bit, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And that's that, – again, and that uh-huh. just like – you have to start wrapping your head around like, okay, there's 100 players. Which one am I? Yeah. Like which yeah. – but the entire concept of which one am I is also a false concept because I am all of them because there's a hundred uh, eyes all sitting all right, around right. on their desks, right, right, right. playing this game. Yeah. We're all I. We're right. all this right. one. It's like that. Yeah, it's interesting because you were just expe- – I was asking the you multiverse. about – Yeah, like what is a class versus a this versus mm-hmm. that? You're like, well, you know, we instantiate – or we the idea inst- of the yeah, object, yeah, right, versus right. It's the like instance versus of it. the definition of like a car versus my car, yeah, yeah, which is really uh, for me the hardest thing about Unity was learning that concept in when scripting in C sharp, mm-hmm. um, because in the other engines that I use, they realize that that's kind of a it's it's completely natural to us. We know there's a difference between the concept of a house and my house. It's a blueprint versus the yeah, actual product. But when it comes to program, you're like, why can't I, f-? like, I clearly defined this house in my game and I can't get inside of it. It says it's not possible to understand what it means to get the blue blanket out of that. Because like, like, games are allowative and not right, prohibitive, right? It's right? like, it's like uh, yeah. because it's a generic definition of a house. Which house were you talking about? <laughs> Fine, you know which house and I'm talking like, about. you're like, quit being a douche computer. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the way I feel. Like, why am I, like... Like, like, there's so many times I look at like examples on like the, mm-hmm. in Unity learning, um, where it's like animator, animator. Like, it's like yes, capital A animator, lowercase animator. And those are is just it, yeah, those are just, just styles you used to. The right. capital letter is the idea, yeah. and the lowercase letter yeah. is the want, the yeah. specific. And one. then in the start, you have to say lowercase animator equals get component capital. Big, and like, why? Why is the word animator coming up so often? This is driving me bonkers. <laughs> it's great when you create. 
um, <laughs> if you're dealing with UI uh-huh. um, and you create a, a text object, so it's text capital T, uh-huh. and if you name it text lowercase t, <laughs> right. but if you want to actually uh, if you want to edit the actual text of it, it's text space text dot text <laughs> equals, yeah. and all the little symbols yeah. mean something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That for me was by far the hardest thing to learn about uh, script. If anyone is thinking like, of dabbling this, with I'm it, go Unity is actually around. really cool. But if you're not familiar with C sharp, well, the funny you thing is that we don't. <laughs> the, the, the scripts you write aren't really all aren't really like object oriented stuff almost at all. It's, uh-huh. it's almost component based programming, and it's very different. So okay. a lot of people who who are really good at C sharp uh-huh. and object oriented programming have the hardest time because they're like. I don't get this. I want to, mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no. It, like, I see where you're screwing up there, but uh-huh. you just sort of break it down in these little uh-huh. small modular behaviors, and then everything works a little bit better. But, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's there are a lot of tricks. There are a lot of little smokes and mirrors and, and creative little weird things looking at it and bashing your head into the wall and wishing you had done something else <laughs> with your life and, um, and then and, and hoping to God it's worth it at the end. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, if anything, I hope that little... I don't know. Poor explanation shed some light. Oh, it definitely did. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, how do I say this? Two rooms. Sure. We're drawing pictures. Why not? Um, but yeah. But anyway, so networking in a nutshell. Now go read like 17 books <laughs> and study some math and, and you'll get there. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's increasingly important. Um, and you also have difficulties. Are you dealing with local networking only? Are you dealing with the internet actually playing people mm-hmm. outside of your home? And, the hard, the funny thing is, it's like we talked about hardware when we started talking about this and games that don't weren't written for hardware that mm-hmm. exists anymore and stuff like that. Do you know how much of a challenge it is just to get your signal out of your house? Because your signal, mm-hmm. chances, chances are, it's going from your computer to your router, uh-huh. router from your router to your modem, yeah, your yeah. modem to your ISP, uh-huh. and then from your ISP, then out to the world to find its own way to the <laughs> server. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. do you know how incomprehensible that yeah. is? Yeah. Um, it's like instead of a hallway connected to rooms, there's an entire labyrinth with the mentor yeah. in it, yeah. right, trying to yeah. actively stop yeah. you. Um, and that's what you're dealing with, right? And it, it, it's, it's – When you put it that way, it is a miracle that we have – It's, it's bananas, pers- right? Yeah. All right? Like yeah. we stand on the shoulders of gods. <laughs> right? To like play stupid games. <laughs> eras of human sacrifice right. and innovation just so I can post a picture of a cat on the internet. <laughs> like – yeah, I mean, it's mind-boggling uh-huh. amounts of work just so we can frag somebody uh-huh. uh, on the internet and then make fun of their mom, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's 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 quite spectacular. And uh, and sometimes it works really well, sometimes not so much. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you, yeah, when you notice these latency things and these problems, your first inclination is to always be mad. But but sometimes it is you, right? You have to <laughs> think, is it me, yeah. right? Maybe my the proper ports aren't open. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, my ISP has yeah. a poor connection to whatever, oh, uh, and I'm losing yeah. packets I left had, and right. It just happened yeah. to me today, not in networking specifically, but because I bought Legacy of the Void. It arrived yesterday. I was very excited. Put it on into the laptop. But because I had been running a whole bunch of applications, including Unity, mm-hmm. um, it must have preoccupied DirectX or something. Anyways, I put in the install disk and it says there's a problem. I try again and again. And it says, oh, you'll have to download the installer. Download the installer. Nothing works. And it says, if you're still having trouble, send a support ticket. Get on the support ticket. And it says, you're in the queue. And I wait a half an hour. And so I just, like, when they found said, sorry. And then I'm like, like you guys are ripping me out. This is terrible. Go to my other computer and 
it installs fine and I just restart. I was going to say, you didn't start by rebooting your computer? I should have just rebooted. I had forgotten that I had been like, cause sometimes you, I just think you're such a noob. Yeah. <laughs> and then I restart the machine and it works just fine. I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that could have gotten corrupted. You know, oh, yeah. or just or just something just up. holds on to your network card and doesn't let yeah. go of it. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably out. exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, anyway, so sorry, Blizzard. I didn't mean to just send you <laughs> off a, a bit angry. WTF? How this is unprofessional, Blizzard? I expect so much of you. First retail game I bought in years. This is the first <laughs> first instance I've ever heard you like raging. Yeah, and this, this is, well, Starcraft from, really does it to you. It does man. it to me, and because. Uh, for me, this is a. It was a big moment. It just this will sound braggy, but uh, but it's actually not. It's actually really sad. Um, that <laughs> the, the, this is the first. You just game. described the internet. Yeah. Well, this, this is, is the first braggy, game I've had to buy. Sad. Like I used to be so well oh, connected. First game you had to buy. Yeah. Like that you, is sad. Yeah. It's like oh, I used to have friends at Blizzard that would hook me up because I would hook them up and. Now I don't have any hookups. You've lost. Uh, I don't like. Man. I can't hook up anybody with anything, except for maybe uh, you know. Dude, you got me battle. You got to be signed. <laughs> I got you. Battlefield yeah, like, for. yes, that's because yeah. those. Uh, you know, but those connections are now you know fading away. It's been two, three years since I've uh, worked with with it's folks. Like the field so. of dreams. Yeah, it's like they're the all just going into the corn. Yeah, it's really. Well, you're sad. you're you're actively looking though. You'll be yeah, back I'll, in the yeah. market for you now. sooner or later. Yeah, it's just so that I can get more free games. <laughs> that's really, I'll get pays for itself. You can, really, pay, yeah, you can pay me in free games. <laughs> that I can trade away for other games. There you go. Services. <laughs> You're going to start your own digital currency yeah. just in game trading and bartering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, okay. So we're well over time. So okay. we'll, we'll wrap Cut up there. there. Um, in the next episode, Michael explained GameCoin, his own digital <laughs> currency <laughs> right. for trading games. Would you like this old swag from LucasArts? Uh, I'll no, trade that away. But I do have <laughs> pirates. <laughs> I want I'm actually going to go download that now with the emulator because I just want to drive my sloop around. <laughs> so I missed it. Yeah. And the dueling, the sword fights, yes. right? Yeah. You had the like, high, middle, low yes. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, if your crew is angry or scared, like it de- it basically put pressure on you. Yeah. yeah. They're all behind you like hyping you up like, yeah, yeah <laughs> get him. And you didn't yeah. have that beat or boat. You just had to beat the captain. Right. So you right, slip exactly. right in there. Yep. Faster than their yep. their weapons can get yep. to you, you disembowel a captain. It's my yeah. boat, right? Or or you close in and they just strike their 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 colors before they're like, no, we're yeah. not gonna do this. I you can you. just have it. I tell you this. <laughs> that was when life was simpler, and the only rules were the rules of the sea, right? The law yeah. of the ocean. But uh, anyway, I, okay, we start rambling again. Sorry about that. Yeah, the podcast on. is already over. You've already cut away at this uh, point. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, okay. So this was episode. X. Yes. I'm gonna try being edgy. Yes. All right. I, you know what? I'm put Literally, when on. you say that, I imagine it's a black, low, it's a black the background episode <laughs> with with this like chromy X. <laughs> it's gonna be like a Metalocalypse episode. It's like this episode is so brutal. <laughs> episode X. Um, episode ten. <laughs> that was high school for me, but I'm well past that phase in my life. Um, Anyway, that was episode 10, which we talked about. Of the stuff. I podcast know. with no proper name. What's the name of it, Mike? <laughs> Mike's Video Game Podcast. There we go. All right. Um, see, so we grew tonight. We learned. Yes. And we became better people. Uh, so anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm Mike Gag. And I'm Mike Wu. And uh, cheers. <laughs> Bye.